0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome to episode 14 of So I've Been Told. If you don't already know, my name is Adam Kramer. I'm the host of this here podcast. And my guest this week is James Jackson, also known as Kaiser Soze to many here in Rochester and really all around the world. And uh, we're going to talk about his travels... And he's a very passionate guy, a great performer, and we just had a really good time talking about a whole bunch of things. And this is only part one. There's going to be a part two. So, actually, what we could do is if you listen to this episode and you have some questions for myself or Kaiser, well, for Kaiser, I mean, I guess you could ask me questions, but. Uh, send them my way through the so I've been told Facebook page, and we'll talk about them on the the part two episode, which we'll be recording sometime soonish I don't know my schedule's all over the place, which I'm sure you guys if you're regular listeners you've figured that out because I have not been very consistent with getting these episodes out, but I am going to try to change that, I'm going to try to get back to putting out an episode a week, but either way, uh, I really hope you enjoyed the conversation that Kaiser and I had, and I'll talk to you guys soon, enjoy. Cool. So we'll just record and talk, All right. and forget that it's on, yep, yep. and just have a real conversation.
2: Alright, you pick the first subject.
1: All right, man. So, how did you? So, you just told me off off recording that your age, but for anybody else, I, I find that there's a lot of you can draw a lot of uh, as far as punk rock and stuff. You know, put some things together when you know the age of the the people you're talking to. Oh, agreed.
2: Uh, well, I'm 33. <laughs> uh, born in um, Virgo, <laughs> well, 1982, August 27th. You know, um, I think the horoscopes somewhere along our age <laughs> went off a little bit by a couple of days, so you could, I, some people said it would be on the cusp a couple of years ago, but uh, but when it comes to, yeah, the, the age and and, and, and you know, uh, punk rock, I think when you're at the age of, like, you know, you're 28, right? Or 29. 29. Yeah. So we're, we're you know, we're, we're in that same kind of generation of, I think there was this, you know, we, we look back at the... What, what, even no matter where you come from, in the metal world or the the pop-punk world or the punk-rock world, you Mm -hmm. have that that thing they call the punk renaissance, you know, Uh, the 1994 when Green Day broke, and it was like, you know, Green Day, and then everybody went, oh, well, Green Day is this, you know, but at the same time, Green Day paved the way, you know, there was that murmur, murmur of... uh, Oh well, when Green Day broke, you know Rancid played Saturday Night Live yeah. for the first time, and you know, you know, Fat Mike founded, you know, Fat Records, mm-hmm. and you know, Jay and, and Brett from Bad Religion were able to go. We moved from a closet apartment with cases of records to, uh, you know, uh, now every distributor and people around the world are going. Can we figure out how to make money off of this? And. Mm-hmm. It brought everybody to this level of uh, insanity you know I think you know it really did you know yeah. I, I I'm one of these people that came a generation next I think as you did too mm-hmm. we were the, the the next not even generation I think half a generation if you yeah. really break it up you know so what
1: what's uh like what were the how did you first discover punk rock and what were what were the the first bands for you
2: ooh First band, I think, for a lot, of, well, for me, it was, um, okay, first band it was obviously Green Day. Okay. Um, my first real punk rock experience, per mm-hmm. se, uh, was MXPX. Okay. Awesome. You know? Um, I'm, a, I'm a
1: huge MXPX fan. We've, we've talked about it before.
2: Yeah. My, my, my cousin Don, uh, so some people in the scene remember Sloppy Don, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, back in the day, you know, I was actually, you know, I was my last year or two in the foster care system and um, my cousin was like, oh, I'm going to get you out of there for a night and, um, you know, he introduced me to a lot of bands. He introduced me to Phoenix TX, which which I didn't even, he actually didn't have the Phoenix TX record, he had the River Phoenix record. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, and, you know, was in that process and he kind of, um, I guess I'm a little spoiled Mm -hmm. when it comes to that, you know, I wasn't just like, oh, I got into Green Day and then all of a sudden my cousin engorged me in a way, um, my first show was not just going to MXPX it was like you know oh my cousin Don you know sound check and hey it's my cousin and you know oh cool I didn't really realize anything of it right then you know mm-hmm. um, I remember um, you know before my first tour I used to have this like you know through the foster care system like, aging out of the foster care system into getting into the warp Tour I had this like photo album you know and it was like this is my like my like uh, my grail of, of, of my weird tale of uh, you know I dropped out of high school at Greece Olympia and uh, I started just, you know I was like oh I, my first war tour was in 1989 okay and um, but before then it was I got into that because my cousin you know introduced me to in PX and then I was like I want to investigate how my cousin got into this and I was feeling Greece Olympia High School and my guidance counselor goes you need something to pick your grades up and um I was like, okay, um, I'll, I, like, I want to be a movie writer. I want to be some kind of an entertaining writer of some mm-hmm. sort. And uh, so then I was like, okay, I'll write for the Guise Olympia Oracle. And I went there one day and I went, can I write for you guys? And I don't even remember anybody, and I doubt anybody remembers me. But, um, you know, publicists and people at Warner Brothers and other labels remember James Jackson calling up and going, Hey, I'm Bruce with the Oracle, and, you know, can I interview Static X? Or, you know, um, but, you know, through that connection with my cousin in MXPX, I, I kind of, like, went around the back burner and contacted Creighton Burke, MXPX's manager, and he kind of was like, Ken kind of was like, oh, this kid keeps calling me, asking me, how do we do this, how do we do this, how do we get another review? You know, he passed me <laughs> off to, uh, Kevin, you know, I started emailing Kevin and Kevin was, you know, back in the day, you know, Kevin Lyman one of the warp was like, he still to this day is all about AOL instant messenger and, you know, his emails, wow. Kevin warped at AOL. <laughs> he's still to this day, years and decades, you know, two decades later, he still goes, oh, you email me, same email, but he used to pick lineups back in the day. And I think he yeah. still sometimes, you know, it's a dinosaur now, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah, you know, I think everybody's still, you know, um, I don't know. Do you still have an AIM? uh i
1: i don't know the last time i logged into it i mean i i think i still remember my password to my account <laughs> but I, I i don't think i've logged into
2: aim st- within the last 6 years yeah, it's, it's been a while yeah i i think they still exist they still there's still an AOL office open somewhere but you yeah know. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: i think it's still a thing
2: i think uh we should be should um, facebook sorry.
1: facebook messengers kind of oh, yeah.
2: taken away the the need for replace it, took the playbook from me, well. you yeah. <laughs> know, yeah. you know, I mean, they could have made phone calls. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now you can make phone calls with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. We're living in a Mark crazy Zuckerberg, world. Mark Zuckerberg, you know. I um, and I think that's another thing when we look at um, in that same question of, of punk rock and the evolution mm-hmm. of phone. Um When I got into punk rock, um, it was, you know, I, I'll admit, um, when I was in the foster care system in St. Bill and Hillside and all these places, I was a little kid. I was surrounded by a big minority of of more urban folks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know um, the hip hop thing. You know, I admit, my first impressions of music were like boys to men.
0: Mm.
2: You know, I was a boys to men fan. You know, I mean, um, MC Hammer. I was. It was. It was the (laughs) bad. You know, Um, Crisscross. Did I ever wear my pants backwards? (laughs) No, no. Uh, But um, I. It was the, the the way I was surrounded at that yeah. point as a kid. I remember one of the things that one of the group homes I was at is when I got green days dookie. Um, I was like, okay, so all these other kids are working out because that's what mm-hmm. you know, teenage kids they're, they're institutionalized us in in the settings do I guess. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would so I'd listen to you know come and clean, and I'd do as many push-ups to come and clean as I could, yes. and that'd be my workout every day in my room, you know? <laughs> cool. um, and then. Um, But then at the same time, we'd have um, half-hour to an hour outings, no matter where I was, if I was at the campus on we Ave, you know, the big campus there. I would still, especially there, I would find my way down to uh, Media Play. Remember when Media Play existed? Before my time. (laughs) West Ridge Road, it's a Best Buy now. Okay. um, I bought my first real Green Day. You know, we all say that's our first record when it comes to punk rock, but then you get into the other sides. Um, My next big record was... um, you know, of course, I got an MXPX, but before I, MXPX, I, somebody turned me on to Face to Face. So I bought Face to Face Live nice. at Media Play, and nice. I just listened to that record again and again. And to Face to Face's credit, I don't know if a lot of people know, um, not just Face to Face, but their drummer, um, Pete Parada, not their drummer now. He plays a couple of times. Okay. Um, he also plays with Saves the Day. He's now the permanent drummer for The Offspring. He's from here.
1: Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that.
2: Yeah, when face face used to come here. They came here with dashboard. Pete was not anywhere to be found at Water Street <laughs> visiting family. Wow! Um, I should
1: check uh, that guy down and get him on the podcast. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. I mean, him and um, Nathan from Molly. You yeah. know, um, they both Rochester residents. They're the, yeah. they're, the, they're the bands that come here and go, "Oh, we're playing the Armory or yeah, their own whatever fest." Yeah. And <laughs> well, we're going to visit family. We'll show up with our family at the stage. Yeah, know? that's cool. Um, but you know, I think the evolution of music is really, for me, it was like okay, I face to face a big thing. You know, if you, I think they were very underrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize they were the first Fat Record signing. Mm-hmm. You know, Fat Mike. If you look at um, their 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 uh, VHS tape, you know, back in the day, they talk about how like Fat Mike from NoFX goes, uh, uh, okay, so we're gonna go on this huge tour because Fat Rex blowing up, NoFX blowing up. You know, it's flagship tour. Mm-hmm. Um, face, first signing on Fat Rec. We're gonna bring you guys on the road, we're gonna be on the bus with us and everything. First day of the tour, Trevor and all those guys show up and okay, so no room on the bus, but you guys got the Fat Rec fan. <laughs> you know, but ever you know, ever since then, like in face to face they've gone through a lot of transitions, you know. Um the the if you look at the history of face to face, people don't realize Matt Riddle came from face to face. You know, and ended up in no for her name, you yeah. know. Um that's just Tony Sly, yeah. take a moment for that man, you know, um, it's, it's, we lost a good, good man in, in punk rock and in the history of everything, you know, with sure. Tony Sly, um, in that whole fat. you know, I mean, I don't know, I see that question, what do you, what is your, you know, your, your views when it comes to the, these, okay, um, you got a new community, but obviously you're a fan of MXPX, and you came from that, that world, or, you know, when it came... Yeah uh, Slick Shoes, Reliant K. Yeah. You know? I,
1: I grew up listening to all of those like Christian punk bands, and Christian pop punk bands. Cause I, the... I grew up in church. Yeah. So
2: what's the views on that? Like, I mean, but you still would go to a Black Flag show or a Pennywise show or a Rancid show. Yeah. Or, I mean, you
1: know. I, I wasn't as into those bands when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't. I knew about, you know, I listened to those Christian bands because they were easily accessible because, you know, my my parents were cool with me listening to those bands. Yeah. Not that my parents were specific, were super strict, but they were, uh, you know, it was just easier. Yeah. There were less questions. Yeah, um, exactly. But, I mean, at that point, I, I listened to, like, the bigger... More like I, I love Blink.
2: Yeah. Oh man.
1: I love. I love. What was your
2: parents' impression of Blink One Eighty Two? The first time they they realized you. I don't were, think they. Re- I don't think we ever really did talked they about it. Uh, yeah, I think I. Did. They heard the name. You're like, oh, mom, dad, I'm into this band, and they go, oh, Blink One Eighty Two. I heard them on MT I heard I heard murmurs of media or something. I, I don't even think. You know, I don't even.
1: I don't even know if they would have heard of them. They were were. You know, this is this well, is. Well, then all, again, uh, did they ever question you going to see American Pie? I actually, I didn't see that movie in theaters. I saw it on, on DVD much later. But now have, have they seen it? Have they seen no, it? <laughs> no, no. are familiar my, with it. My, my parents are, are pretty conservative. Yeah. So, and also, I think it was kind of a different world back then, too. Like, you know, we we had cable sometimes, but we didn't always have cable in the house. So, mm-hmm. like, and we lived kind of in a rural area. So, they were kind of disconnected some.
2: Not until or I was the, or the, the first impression that we all know of the internet you know i didn't
1: really have to, i didn't really get the internet until i was uh i mean later than a lot of my friends, my age here because i and even then like while I was in high school I didn't have anything but dial up yeah and that was late in high school when I got dial up really, internet yeah, yeah. so man
2: that's, that's 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 the thing man. and we also you know we talk about the age you know we are the age that we're watching. I don't know. I can't think of our parents actually saw two transitions as we're mm-hmm. seeing. We saw one transition with social media and the internet. Um, we're we're lucky enough in our lifetime to go. We're gonna see this. I mean, currently, right now, this month and this year, we're going through this huge change, yeah. and we're all having to face. I mean, uh, I think that you know that's why I love you know moments like this. Two worlds mm-hmm. sitting down having discussions about this stuff and. Um, yeah. How it relates because you remember the ethics of what we. No matter what you look at, you know. Um, you know. I remember sitting on this. You know. Um, I did that Bill Murray tour, and then uh, at the end of it, I ended up three or four days with Mike Herrera from XPX and Ben from Lucera doing Sweet. the Southern Ride tour with Oliver Peck. You know, and um, Matchbook Romance tour manager Tex. You know, going. <laughs> We're just riding motorcycles uh, down the southern part of the country, awesome. raising money for bikers. You know, and seeing, you know, watching Mike he just really break down the bears going, I gotta jump on a bike with my acoustic and <laughs> my backpack and follow these crazy, you know, like, Oliver Peck's, you know, granted he's got his, his thing with well, world now, but he comes from that same, like, insane mm-hmm. Texan, you know, world and... Um, like, uh, then you got, you know, Ben from the Sierra to see that, you know, the the reactions of the audience. But, like, um, I think this scene, all these different transitions, you know, we're seeing all these, these worlds break down, especially in music, because, uh, especially in punk rock. I was having that discussion today with my friend Jefferson, who's in, like, 64, um, and he's that kind of hippie, you know. Um, but, you know, we were just talking about how, like, a lot of people have changed. You have uh, our parents who kind of. A lot of parents in our gen- that last generation, they're going through what we're going through now. Mm-hmm. Only for us, it's a lot different. You know, and I think we're a lot. I, I'd say we're a lot stronger as this generation. Mm-hmm. We're we're very scattered. Yeah. You know. Um. I think that you know, even just representing our city, like in our city, just in the next year, we're gonna see change, and we're. I think it takes. For me, I'll tell you what, when it comes to me directly, Kaiser Sose, James Jackson, music saved my life. And I'm now getting to the other side of it, of community. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a mental case. You know, I'm a mental case just spilling it all out in a, in a Hunter Thompson in my perception of a Gonzo way. Mm-hmm. You know, and trying to still also be respectful. You know, yesterday I sat at the flying squirrel during the Enough Is Enough black and uh, Black Panther party, um, which which started out as a community meeting about the transit center and how okay. we can change the transit center, um, it turned into you know one, um, uh, Syracuse's girlfriend coming in and giving an update of what you know the give back the land situation that just happened. Okay. Yeah, You know he's he's uh, locked up now. Mm. You know, but did go through strong. His girlfriend came in and updated. Um, and then the other side was sitting down with a very, very upset urban family, um, who was the, the father, mother, um, brother-in-law and sister of the gentleman who shot at RPD two days ago, oh. and the RPD officer shot him three times. Oh. You know, so sitting down there and listening to the family side of things, yes. it was very... Um, for me, you know, we get, we'll get get deep, you know, um, for me, you know, um, a lot of people... When I came home, you know, I think I've been home here solidly for the first time going on two, two and a half years. I Almost okay. two, two wow. and a half, I think now. You know, um, when did we first meet? It's been almost a year now. Probably, yeah, over yeah, it's over just, a year. Over Just over
1: a year. You know. Um, um, well, let's, let's back it up. Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, know, I, I, like, I am manic.
2: And, we, um, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta put the, and, and, and for the people listening, uh, Yeah, I always, I go, people, just when you talk to me. Don't be don't 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 hesitate being rude and be like, dude, you talk too fast sometimes. I well, I just don't out. want this
1: podcast to be like <laughs> three days long. For sure. For sure. So, um, so you you grew up in foster care here in Rochester, and mm-hmm. you know you got into punk through your cousin. Now, um, you you'd mentioned that you were writing letters and doing interviews. What were these interviews for? Um, or just just for?
2: It was my kind of outlet, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um. You know, I guess when we all go through that stage, when we first hear the music we get into a yeah. the movie we love, um, at, at that age, you know, I think that age of, like, um, anywhere from, like, 15... I think scientists and studies say, like, from, like, your brain fully gets into that development of this is who I want to be, or yeah. you start to pinpoint things at, like, 15 years old, 16 years old, per se. Um, but uh, at that point, um, I, I needed an outlet. Like, you know, I you know, at 33 now I'm I'm answering some of these questions and um, having to face some of these questions, you know, the foster care system, when I went through was very flawed. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of things that I shouldn't have been subject to, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Some things like, you know, you talk about, um, you know, for me, I know the big thing for me in, in life all around the board is like substances. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, you've even, you know, when we encounter each other, everybody looks at me and then they go, ah, you know, whereas some sides of this, you know, especially in this world, you know, some sides go, like the, 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 the insomniacs go, oh, you don't care, you know, but then, yeah, I know you don't care, but it's also the general public perception, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's something I've been really, really working hard to just answer questions of, you know, mm-hmm. um, for me, I, I the, the the foster care system. I got into you know people go oh Kaiser or James got into oh he, he smoked weed or he did this or he drinks or he does that or he got into that. I they would attribute that to punk rock mm-hmm. and touring and that lifestyle. I got into in the you know older years, but um, for me to really answer that question was like I was in a foster care system and mm-hmm. my mother was on the verge of dying. You know, while I was about to be adopted and all this other stuff, and then I got thrown through this crazy, crazy system that, you know, they say they've adapted now and it's gotten better, Mm -hmm. Um, but when I dropped out of high school, I was just, okay, uh, the the issue I have now is I I just went to California for the housing first model, Mm -hmm. and it's about giving people an apartment. When I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, the, the system gave me an apartment, the independent living program. Um, what they did not do was teach me vocational morals Um, hey man I know that you just went through all these different foster cares where you got introduced to marijuana and drinking and all this other stuff so now you know you're going through all these oh party 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 or not or be serious in life or what's this music thing Um, when high school aspect came along I go "I, I need a way out and the only thing I knew is this was songs. song. Yeah. The only thing I knew was sitting in... You know, at that time I was working at Old Country Buffet on Westridge Road, okay. and that was my release from being at a group home behind mm. there on um, Stone Ridge, mm. you know, um, while I was going to Greece Olympia. And then all of a sudden, they, everything started to fall apart. My cousin got me into MXPX and then I had this, this bug to go do crazy yeah. things. I remember I ran away, what they do is that the the only thing they did do for foster kids at that point was that if you had a job, um, you know, um, they'd take half of your paycheck and they'd save it, and end under Mm -hmm. the impression when you turn 18 and you age out, Mm -hmm. you'd have a nest egg. What they didn't do was teach you, you
0: know?
2: Mm -hmm. So when my cousin was getting me into the music side of things, he was giving this, I don't know, I don't want to say false reality of things, Um, but so then... I go, I was a big, uh, another thing, I was getting the Green Day, I was doing push-ups to, you know, coming clean, uh, at the same time I was listening to Howard Stern every morning, mm. on K-Rock, <laughs> you know, remember when he was on K-Rock? I remember... Or not K-Rock, um, the, the um, the Nerve. I remember it the being nerve. on... ninety-five one <laughs>
1: ...on TV
2: late at night. Oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, the yeah, E channel. Yeah. Yep, yeah. but, uh, I remember in Rochester, he had it on the, you know, when E-Man was okay. the DJ... Back in the day, um, so i would listened to that as a kid, and I just, you know, um, actually, if you remember, um, Green Day played, uh, Billy played Time Your Life on Howard okay. Stern one wow. morning, you know, and it was like, you know, Howard always took care of those boys, yeah. like you know, um, it was the same time frame of Nimrod that I was yeah. in that in those group homes in them, um, but for me, when it came to the, the high school thing, I was like, okay, now I'm working to run away from the group home because mm-hmm. I hated the group home, this it's weird institutionalized study. Um, they don't get me and so I one instance I ran away to, to um, New York City I took I snuck some of my paycheck and I ran away to New York City <laughs> and I wanted to meet Howard Stern I ended up at the K-Rock building you know 16 years <laughs> old um ended up at the K-Rock building made it to the Stern floor got cut off by Baba Booey and a security guard going dude we saw you come up from the lobby, and yeah. you don't even look like you're old enough to be in this building, <laughs> and um, I got shot back to the streets, and um, my first instance of homelessness, kind of, in a way, was um, I, uh, I wanted to be a drummer back then, and um, yep. my uh, aunt gave me a drum machine, and I stupidly distrusted somebody in Port Authority, and, they kid, I'll take you to the court. Robbed me at night point from a drum machine, oh, and shit. you know, and then I'm this little kid in New York City going I was trying to meet Howard Stern and I ran away from a good woman, you know, um, when I, I just slept in Port Authority for two nights and then the, some, are, you know, New York City cop finally came up. I was like, okay, so the security of the Port Authority are like, we witnessed you just sleeping here and not, you know, we're trying to figure out why this little kid's here. And then I was, you know, obviously runaway kid, check me yeah. back. But at that point, I was just, at the same time, talking to all these rock stars, like Mike from PX, and Creighton Burke, and mm-hmm. back and forth with Kevin Lyman. Was it, and, were these
1: just, uh, like, email interactions?
3: Or, emails or?
2: and certain phone calls, you know. I, okay. I, I learned at a group home, you know, I was calling. Uh, my first Warp Tour was uh, Creighton Burke passed me off to MSO, Mitch Snyder Organization, okay. which does PR. Okay. Um, he basically gave me the idea, like, okay, how did you get to Mike? And them? oh, well, my cousin introduced me. You know, and Mike was like, oh, Don's cousin, you know, just humor him. I think my cousin at that point when you know, my, my cousin's in this fucked up foster care system. Mm-hmm. He needs, you know, charity. To help him out. Yeah. He can feel good. Um, But I was just picking Craig Berg's brain, like, how do I get another interview? How do I even get this? How do I, how did my cousin get this? And now, were these recorded interviews? Or, or, like, I mean, did you,
1: like, write them down and did you, yeah, like, yeah. make a zine or were these just... For uh, your
2: own... There was a Fat Kids magazine, P-H-A-T, okay. that I started. Um, it never actually took off. Um, and that was my first actual big venture on the world tour. Okay. Um, the first in 1999, I, I threw Creighton Burke and the Greece Olympia Oracle, my dropout year. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed, okay, so I wasn't having that luck with MSO at first. So then I was like, okay, there's all these other shows. You know, and other kids at this, the high school were like, oh, dude, you just, you're telling us the story of MXPX, and now you're telling us. So I got this idea from Creighton, like, call up Warner Brothers. And I was like, okay, so I didn't really get into the punk rock. The punk rock world at that time didn't really accept me. But the scene here, the metal scene, and the okay. hardcore, you know, like, controlled uh, some of the bands like Blind Identity, Hate Machine, Controlled Substance, okay. when the tones were popular and Glass Jaw was yeah. popping, and, you know, uh, the limp biscuits and the, the corns were kind of dying down <laughs> but Slipknot was hot as hell and you know it mm. was those those kind of that scene was happening yeah you know Family Values was kind of dying down but mm. that you know we got to the real hardcore scene of the Deftones and bands like that um the scene here that's the ones that erased me at Water you know okay. Face Burst from Greece, and you know Battle of Bands back in the day and um so then it, it made sense because uh, I, I kind of got into that scene and I felt welcome. So then the bands I knew were Starek X and Dope and, mm-hmm. you know, Primer 55 and 7 Dust, you know. So I started interviewing those bands at first for the weeks of the vehicle. And then finally Summer came around and, you know, creating words and my emails with Kevin, you know, and AOL conversations got me into, you know, uh, Christian Astin at Midnight Snyder organization. And all of a sudden I found myself with a Sticky Pass so the Vans nice. worked for LaSalle Park in 1999 and the list of bands I interviewed were Travis Barker from Blank, Vinny mm-hmm. from Less Than Jake, you know, Al Barr from the Murphys, which I think one of the gnarliest interviews I, 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 in moments, was sitting down with Al Barr and him telling the story of, like, Woodstock was happening that year. Okay. And his relationship yeah, in Yeah, yep. Pennywise went out in every band, I think, at LaSalle. If, if you remember, if were there or saw friends that were there, they could I, say... I
1: saw a lot of... I've, I've actually, within the last couple of years, re watched a lot of Woodstock 99 footage on, on YouTube. From Buffalo?
2: Like, <laughs> Buffalo was the epic one because everybody, you know, even Eminem was like, Woodstock's down the street, you guys came here, that's cool, <laughs> you know. Then Fletcher's going out, F that $150 crap, you know, he paid yeah. 35 to come here, you know. But I remember Al Barge, you know, from the Murphys, is like, you know, Woodstock for me was um, his wife was conceived. At the original <laughs> oh, wow. so he's like that's how it holds Yeah. Oh, my wife was you know coming into existence with her right. parents from you know that first year Um, they're talking about this new woodstock that you know next year or the year after I think they're saying I haven't
1: heard anything about that I've, I've been it's,
2: if that's it's new that. news I, I've it's, been I well leave. we looked at 99 you know yeah. I respect 94 because it was for us I think for, for our generation for, for especially people like us 94 yeah. was what it's so a big year for you know, for punk. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, you know. It's yeah. weird. But you also look at, you know, the times, you know. Um, you know, when you came up from the DMXPX the world, they were singing songs about, you know, they were very respectful, mm. you know, and then, but you also put in a Pennywise record, listening to what was happening in California yeah. at the same time. Like, we kind of were the, the, we were the kind of little kids, the toddlers when, Pennywise and Bad Religion were going through, they were going through in Los Angeles, and, you know, you had Ian from Fugazi, and, you know, B.Y.O. sparking, and what was happening in D.C., and, you know, um, you, you, know you have, you know, the whole revolution of the Bad Brains. Mm. that in itself still boggles my brain, you know, yeah. I mean, that boggles my brain, you know, um, I think what we... I still answer this question. I just think we're coming to this... You know, as we look at this... Did you see the post that, that I... I think I sparked it along this scene. The uh, the Bernie Sanders, Circle Jerks. I didn't see that yet, no. Oh, man. It's... it's uh, I'm going to pull it up while we're talking, but uh, uh, I'll tell you what. It's remarkable for the fact that... Um, I don't know. This feels weird now. Do you get a weird feeling in this past couple of months? Like, even in this next... This, today, to see... What happened in Wisconsin and I'm not a, I'm not a government type person, you know, but I it's remarkable what's happening right now. I feel invigorated in a way. Yeah, it's know.
1: it's exciting to to ha. feel like, you know, I, I I have been very disengaged politically for a long time and disengaged and disenchanted. Yeah. Um, but it's exciting to it seems like Sanders is definitely the closest to sharing my views that I've, uh, heard about in a long time. It's poppin' a ball. Oh, right? yeah, I
4: didn't see that, I forgot. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up, man? So, the um, last I just thought I'd
1: say hello. Yeah, just hanging out, recording a podcast.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, oh, it's all good. Are you like in the middle of an interview right now? Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I can edit
1: this. I can yeah. edit this
4: shit. Join Let's in if you like. <laughs> no, I'm, I've already had my moment in this. <laughs> Dan,
1: Dan was guest number one He's on this oh, podcast, episode awesome. number one. James, it, James,
4: Kaiser. nice to meet you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's what's your your alias? Uh, Sose. Oh, really? S <laughs> l yeah. o z
2: i e. S l o z
4: i e. Okay. Well, oh, that's right. I've, okay. Yes, I've seen I've seen your name. Oh, cool. Around. Yes. Cool. Why, why, uh, why, that, why that moniker?
2: Uh, oh, this is good. I yeah, get this I, you know podcast. what it is? <laughs> is um, when I started going from the, the, the real world of folk rock and stages and then retreated to this street world, I you was know, sitting in St. Pete, Florida, and my friend recorded the first Kaiser Impressions of Recordings, and I was playing outside of his pizza place, and he's a street musician, and uh, he goes, what's your name? And I go, oh, James Jackson. Here he goes, Jeff Jackson's like, that's a good name. Then you get the Jackson. You Uh, at the end of the night, he, you know, at the end of his shift, he goes, come to my house. We'll record dangling microphone, 40 ounce and a blunt. And that was 14 songs later. Never really the, you know, you'd listen to those recordings and you'd go, that was really ghetto recorded, but the most raw I've ever heard someone do something. And, um, at the end of it, we're sitting down watching the usual suspects, and he's like, so you kind of like Kaiser Sozi You're not a thief or anything, but the whole point of Kaiser Sozi was he was a ghost, <laughs> and he was this mythical character that Verbal Kent, the other character, created to convince the world that, you know, he, he didn't want that, anything. And for me, it was like, um, I don't know, Timmy goes, uh, I hear murmurs through the internet of you're in Chicago, or you're in Seattle, or you're in Portland, and... Somebody can reference going, I saw that kid play outside of this or that or this or pops up in the Today Show or which I've done in the past couple of years. It's weird how I've subconsciously owned up to this crazy, mythical character story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. That's pretty
4: cool. Yeah, I mean, It makes sense to me. I think that like... I mean, I think that... I mean, rock, like like music, as with a lot of, like any other field really i think it benefits from having larger than life characters right like if you can transcend like being a sort of mere mortal or something in some way you know mm-hmm. like like uh, yeah i think I, I that can only i feel like that can only help you know oh, and yeah. i hear what you're saying like like james jackson is a good name but it just has to like unfortunately it has to like it sounds like Almost more than any other name, I think I could possibly. Think yeah, of. It sounds like <laughs> a sports you're, you're star, being, a music star, well, or like some other. <laughs> you, musically, it sounds like you'd be in a totally different genre. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with. That. I mean, I mean, you know, people hear you play, and your, your reputation gets out there. That takes care of that, but yeah. but uh, yeah. Anyway. That makes sense to me. I like that's yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. <laughs> Are you uh playing any shows coming up? Uh yeah, well, we got we got a bunch of big
2: announcements, you know, for the city. Um actually, you know, for the, the wedge over here and um Monroe, we got the um oh, everything happens. I think the, the biggest thing is um I hate to take one side, but uh June 4th we have a huge insane day um starting on the av Starting on Monroe Avenue with the Monroe Show, the show on the oh, app. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. June 4th, I believe it kicks off at noon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right after that, I'm asking, and this is, I think, the first big announcement from my stretch for this, is I want everybody to go from Monroe Avenue to the California Brew House for the North Coast Punk Fest. Mm-hmm. It's a hard day, but if I'm going to do it, and I'm pretty sure everybody else <laughs> is going to do it in our scenes, yeah, like, it, it's, it's going to be one of the most entertaining days um, just make sure you, you, know, you get a bus pass or something because you're going to take the the 14 bus back or the Lake Ave bus back from the brew house, you know, because um, it's going to be one of those days. But I think um, I know I'll make the answer. I'm sh- finally, I've been trying to shoot a real logistically sound music video and just crank out all these untold stories and everything. So that day, I'm going to manically run around Rochester and film and do it all. I'm going to shoot um, a, a, you know, the ordinary average day song. I've been trying to shoot... Uh, a video for that on the Ave and just pay homage to Monroe Avenue because that's what the song's about, you know. So my idea is I'm, during the Monroe show, going to play under the Monroe Marquee with Sose on the Marquee and just try and get 100 people to just prove the fact that the Monroe Theater is closed, but I could still pull 100 people to watch me play under the Marquee outside and uh, pay homage to the city and that. And um, at the same time, I got all this... This craziness. Um, I'm I'm gonna be heading to St. Augustine, Florida, and and uh, let's see what's today. It's two weeks, two and a half weeks to um, Bill Murray Golf Tournament. Oh no word! <laughs> the Bernie Brothers uh, Caddyshack Annual Golf Tournament, and uh, that's the other crazy quirky rumor in all are you, that. Are you just going just to go, or yeah? Is they, uh... Uh, I was I have five people actually. Um, I honestly donated the $5 to the, 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 the firefighters in St. Augustine that they're, they're benefiting, you know, mm-hmm. and that was the deal. You donate and you have a chance to play golf with Bill Murray. So like, I'm like, no, what the crap, I'll do, I'll do it and try it, you know. Um, but, you know, so they, 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 they picked somebody else, but it was, we mm-hmm. donated, and um, so I'm just going to go do my thing you know i'm going to play That's, and you know i've actually talked to the, one of the Murray brothers i called the the restaurant and you know uh, <laughs> i asked him if there's any punk rock happening and he kind of gave me a weird answer and then <laughs> so you know i'm pretty sure that the, the murmurs out that you know kaiser's heading down here too you know and it's like you know when i shot that video i'm going i'm reshooting that video okay. um before, prior um you know it, it's weird because for people who have heard that tale have you have you heard the tale kind of, of someone I have told a you little, a little bit, bit yeah you know if you listen to it, everybody goes oh Kaiser's got this Bill Murray song <laughs> he's this crazy fanatic Bill Murray he's obsessed my friend Dan goes uh, big Dan, who came in the first time I played here <laughs> you know uh, he goes he goes he's he's got a restraining order against Kaiser you know um <laughs> uh, because you know what, what happened was I was on tour and um I am a Bill Murray fan but I'm not obsessed mm-hmm. You know the fact of it is, and if you listen to the actual song that they you know they play on the zone and, and play all the time, like uh, I tell the exact tale. Uh, I'm sitting in Denton, Denton, Texas, and my friend, uh, who everybody will meet in a couple of weeks, Wilbur from Denton. Um, he's had one Rochester experience, which was awesome and crazy and outlandish, and he ran back to Texas. But uh, <laughs> uh, but he uh, comes to me when I'm getting a i am getting I got this crazy tattoo that, that this guy's in prison now, and he's and he got, not going to be able to finish it. Oliver Peck's going to help me though. Um, uh, so basically, this rumor came out that um, you know if you look at the history, you Google it. Bill Murray party crashing tour. A writer in Arizona put out this story, and all uh, superficial news was the one that broke the story <laughs> that Bill Murray is going to 32 cities, and he's got a party crash, and he wants three things: karaoke, wine, and to be called Kaiser Soze. <laughs> now, if you look at the history of Bill Murray, he has been known to. Randomly walk into a flat in New York City and, you know, other yeah. scenarios. He has did crash, you know, a party at South by Southwest with the Rizzo clan and took over the bar and handed out tequila <laughs> shots no matter what you ordered, you know, and told all the bartenders to just sit down and just let him handle the couple hundred people that are going, oh my God, don't worry, sure for me, you know. But um, when that article came out, I, I go, okay, I've now just started this Kaiser Soze thing, you know, um, and I've been like, a half a year on the road, you know, running around, started with the Kaiser thing from St. Pete, Florida, and um, I go, I oh got I gotta answer this answer. I gotta answer this answer, because now I was looking on the, over the course of a week of crazy tattoos and all this insanity in Texas, I was watching on the internet, people all over in the desired routing that they released uh, were popping signs at bars, centers, everywhere. Houses where Bill Murray or Kaiser sold like a party crash here. So I'm like, Why? The, 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 the cities are going, come here. I don't know if he's going to come here. You know, the craziest, most you know, people don't realize. Um, yes, it's kind of a spoof. Uh, the, the 800 number that they gave the, the world, if you want Bill Murray to party crash here, call this number and leave him a message, was the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> um, people did leave messages. You know, and it was very disgruntling. But... The thing that really did happen was that movement happened, and people around the country on those select dates paid homage to Bill Murray, mm-hmm. the Caddyshack, the Ghostbusters. I showed up to a good portion of those parties, going, "Oh, God, they don't beat me up because I'm not Bill Murray." But <laughs> you know what? Those signs said Kaiser Soze, and if you listen to the song, it says, "I'm a punk rock kid from upstate New York, and come crash these parties with me." You know, I really went to those parties, and I, you know, saw the State pup Marshmallow Man, paper mache guy, you know, on the top of the warehouse in <laughs> Houston, awesome. and. You know, the art gallery that had this awesome art, you know, of all these different homages to Bill Murray. And, you know, even when you look at the, um, what's that one big enemy over in Europe, mm. questioned me. They interviewed me. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, they questioned, did you meet Bill Murray? Because then the writer kept writing, you know, and... Um, was,
1: that, was that published? Uh, they
2: know? never published it because okay. then it was like they couldn't fact check it. Okay. You know, gotcha. they asked me, did you meet Bill Murray? You know, because then the writer started spoofing. Going, oh yeah, you know, 26 year old Kaiser Jose from Rochester, New York. Mm. You know, sat down in Austin, Texas, with Bill Murray. You know, I was in Austin, Texas, for that last day of the Bill Murray party crashing tour. But mm. you know, I went to the party and then I went straight to Mike and Mike from MXPX. Mm. You know, and like, um, it was like, but the phenomenon happened. Mm. So that song talks about how it really did. You know, even all these people, the promoters and all the fans that watched me and took care of me. We're like, dude, this kid showed up with an acoustic guitar. And then eventually, that song I wrote halfway through. I was in Atlanta, Georgia at the Dragon Con Festival walking around, you know, getting bugged by Steve (laughs) Zissi. With a sign that says, if you look at the Insomniac, uh, that that article, there's a picture. with." Have you seen Bill Murray? I walked around the Atlanta Dragon Con that year. You know, no pass, no nothing. Just walked in with that sign and an acoustic guitar and me, and just, everybody's just like, it's, "It's Kaiser." He's just walking around trying to find Bill Murray, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, I, I try to keep it real, you know, and that's the weird part. I've, I've um, I also have I've learned in this past, you know, we in society have, are changing. Um, I'm I've you know come out. and You've watched this transition of when first people got the first encounter of me. You know, I, I think I've, I've I've been really trying to figure out my mental health and where I come from too. You know, um, so and I think it's with the Kaiser Soze thing. I've really been, you know, you've watched me on, you know, and I'm still figuring that out. I tell people what I what I've done here a couple of times. You watched, yeah. You know, like I I, I just, it's better than any anything. You know, I and especially like I, I I'm very 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 thankful. You know, you've given me these. Weirdest stages, <laughs> you know. You've you've had, you know. Um, even you've seen me in other settings, and like yeah. I, and
1: what well, what I, I notice about it is, you always played super. You're always like crazy high energy, no matter what else is going on in the room or how many other people are in the room. Yeah. So you're very engaging and a and a great performer.
2: I try. I try. I think I learned that from you get that from the street performer. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I'd encourage any musician to take the streets at least once in their career mm-hmm. or their their experience of music or performing. Um, I think playing the streets is one of the most rawest, and it allows you to dissect yourself a little bit better. Yeah. There's no, it raises the it, it one lowers the bar, but it also raises the bar mm-hmm. because you got to realize on the street corner you're not there's no. Setting where somebody invited you there, you yeah. know, you're not invited there. There's not a PA set up. There's not a flyer. There's not anything. You're taking the chances, and it's not your audience. Ninety yeah. percent of the time, it's not your audience. Mm. You're taking an, a little old lady, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I've really tried to do with myself. And I'm still, you know, in the process of dissecting myself and learning and growing and. Just throwing myself in scenarios where it's awkward and it's going to force me to grow and learn and overcome things that I might not have overcome from that early generation of this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I, I, it's weird, you know, where we talk about punk rock, you know, when you look at even these some of the tooth and nail bands, you know, um, we look at the sides of what what their choices are nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch Mike Herrera from MXPX, you know, still revitalize his band and his songs. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, he's still looking, going, God, I'm playing, doing time. And it was like, (laughs) I love this song and I love playing it, but then you also have to go, I love playing this song and I'll play it all the time and still have fun with it. But then there's also that aspect of like, I played this to... 12-year-old, 18-year-old to 18-year-olds yeah. that are now my age going, did this make sense anymore? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I, I saw the statement of Tom DeLonge you know, um, the, the statement of this new Blink record when he rejoins, you know, as a four-piece with Matt Skiba. And like, is,
1: that, is that officially going to happen? Because I haven't heard about that. It's,
2: uh, uh, it's I kind of just want him to not I kind of just want know, him to
1: not even be a part of it. I, cause I, I,
2: I, I think if they can overcome the writing thing You know, Tom walked into it going, okay, I was a dick, and we all know, even though we murmur, 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 what Tom, you know, we all would, I'm sorry, when it comes to it, I take, you know, I will always look at Mark from like 182 and go, dude, that's got to be hard. You guys Uh, are best friends. It seems like he's the guy who... Travis was kind of after fact of their friendship. He joined after Mark and Tom was already existing. We were kids, and we brought this, 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 Legacy together, you know, and like, I, I think you know being a part. And the weird part about that is for me is like I'm, uh, you know, and uh, you know Phoenix TX. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, uh, I, I firsthand uh, can say, you know, I sat there a couple nights ago. You know, I remember I, I mean, you and a bunch yeah. of other people, you know, and I remember going, "Fuck, I gotta get on the bus to go see Phoenix." It was the first band I went out with. You know, um, but I was a part. Of some of the behind the scenes, uh, you know, befriending be Phoenix, uh, you know, interviewing Travis Barker mm-hmm. at 1999 warp Tour, and I admit I was very naive. I was more of a Green Day devoted, so I was getting into Blink. But they were, they were Enema was out, and they were just, you know, all three it little dudes. Up yeah, at they, that point. but when it came to press, they were just, just all three dudes were, you know, going everywhere to talk to everybody. Cool. You know, it wasn't like all three dudes sat, especially on the warp Tour. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like. Okay, we're just gonna all sit together and do a bunch of interviews like we do on our own tour. No, it's yeah. like you have a press pit that's just yeah all every outlet from all over at every stop, and it's just done line, you know. Yeah. Um, but they divide themselves. And I remember not really doing my research, <laughs> and um, you know I asked that typical question that they you know still answer and make jokes about, and nobody really knows it. Uh, what does "black boy" mean? <laughs> You know, I mean, how many different myths
1: have you heard or stories? You know. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that they got asked that a lot, especially back then.
2: 182 times, from what Travis told me that day, 182 times that Al Pacino says the f word in Scarface. Oh, I mean, you know, everybody says the original was called kind of blank, and then there's some other yeah. band, you know, whatever. but uh, you know, um, you know, sitting down and going, oh, I'm that idiot. Who asked that, and I didn't really, I didn't do all my research to ask real in-depth questions of, you're Travis, you're not Scott, and you just sent him to the state record is the first record you're on, mm. and you came from the Aquabats. I didn't know all that yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, when it came to that, I was still a young kid, Um, so I guess that kind of goes to that, you know, what, what got me into the, you know, the school thing, it was like the questions I would ask was like, I'm just going to ask what I know. The typical mm-hmm. questions, but a lot of those bands, when it came to Rochester, you know, Static X took them in Nick Taho's. You know, my friend Hippie Steve. Yes. You know, he took you know Tony and Wayne. You know, Nick Taho's yeah. for the first time, and Wayne's you know, or uh, Tony, Tony from Static X every time. You know, and then he got Edzo from Dope, who ended up joining Static X, mm-hmm. and you know all the other crazy whatever drama there. But um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, me and my, my my cousin, we brought if you remember some of the pop punk shows, don't look down. Uh, I, I know on some about zero, that. Band. That was you know, fun fact about uh, punchline. Don't look, don't look down.
1: Is do you know that? I don't remember which member, mm-hmm. but one of the members of that band, his dad is Ed Rendell, who was the governor of Pennsylvania.
2: What? I didn't know yeah. that. Brian, maybe, wait, wait, Ryan, maybe was Ryan Ryan, the singer. I remember. Oh man. Yeah. I, I Me. Don't look down. I just
1: nitro. Yeah, they were they were on Nitro, right? Yeah. I I remember liking that band a lot. I didn't really. I had they were on a uh, some compilation. I had
2: there was a bunch. The Rochester from here. Okay, we had a scene. Remember the Sunstreak? I you I know? was
1: aware of them. I never saw they that. They used to
2: be called One are Nothing, okay. and then the drummer Gary came from Third Estate. Okay, um, they were the, the pop punk thing. We had uh, Murdoch at that That's, time. We had right. Act Your Age. Um, You know, some of the Fredonia and Oswego kids, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But there was a a good scene. But we were bringing out of town, me and my cousin and and some other folks, we were bringing the Sloppy Beaters from Georgia. You know, we were bringing Punchline from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Um, We were bringing Unsung Zeroes from Florida, Agent Felix. um, These shows that were like these weird, you know, if you think of the history of Water Street, um, me and my cousin the, One of the first shows at The club side of Water Street Was the Sunday matinee Sloppy Meteors Murdoch Actor Age, And um, I want to say One year nothing um, But that's how You know uh, I don't know I just After that first 99 warp Tour mm-hmm. Like I, in that photo album I talked about I just had all these pictures From that day Like sitting cool. there Just this little kid Behind the this main stage Of LaSalle Park just like going, oh, Bob's Eat Souls, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> I heard the songs. Not really getting into them at full yet, because I was just riding, I was just going. For me, at first, it was like anything, you know, punk rock. It was this, you know, when you got into punk rock, because it wasn't this simple shit. Yeah. It wasn't the same shit that was being shoved down your throat. Yeah, you and when it's
1: at that point, too, like, when you're just discovering everything, everything is so exciting.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it was a release, you know, mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, and then the music side, it was like, okay, so I'm in St. Joseph's Villa, I remember, um, you know, did you have one, okay, so you hear all these old stories of, like, Billy from Green Day and all these other punk art bands go, oh, we were in the Led Zeppelin and, you know, mm-hmm. the melons and, you know, uh, Husker Du and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, you're like, oh, go, go, but then when we talk, we, we go to our level, we go, oh, bad religion and no effects mm-hmm. and no mixed picks and, you know, we love Green Day and the Offspring, but then, you know, we had to. Did you kind of evolve into the Clash and all that stuff after you got? Yeah, through, I discovered all that know? all that later. Because you got into MXTX and then they were talking about, "Oh, this is yeah. the stuff I got into." And you know, well, I,
1: I remember this is something that's like it's it's such a different the way kids now discover music is so different. But I oh, yeah. remember like you know reading all of the bands that like the bands that I listened to thanked and like looking up those bands, they like were like trying to find CDs of those bands because you couldn't just access everything on the internet immediately.
2: Oh, yeah. and, and it was DIY. I mean, you know, we we, were out, we in Rochester are lucky because we have worldwide news, even though it's kind of crazy things you see in the literary <laughs> sections sometimes, but um maximum Rock and Roll mm-hmm. made it here and has lived, lived here for a long time.
1: Yeah. In and worldwide I, news, you unfortunately, know. Unfortunately, I never had mm-hmm. access to any of that because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Now... I wanna I wanna get back on track. I think yeah, yeah. what we're gonna have to do though, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to plan another time. Yeah, I agree. And we agreed. will do a part two. Yeah, yeah. Um because you have we could do a whole episode just talking about your yeah. story. Well what are your traveling. what are your plans
2: right now? What are your what are your what is your, your night looking like for the next hour?
1: Um I I'm good for a while. I'm gonna need to – I will need to stop and eat at some point. Oh so. I was gonna
2: say, do you want to maybe we could do a crazy podcast? Mobile. Actually,
1: why why don't we do this? Yeah why don't we We'll jump ahead and we'll talk yeah. a little bit about the activism okay, and yeah, yeah. homeless stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then what we'll do is we will just do a part two sometime in the next, whenever's we'll just find a time and we'll sit down and we'll do a part two and kind of pick up I'm done. your I'm story. Done. Just, be, just because I know this is going to be like crazy long otherwise.
2: Yeah, I but think we'll, that's what I'm saying. We can cut it up. We'll do it. In, <laughs> we'll do it
1: in in, a, in two parts, maybe three parts, depending on yeah. how it goes. So and
2: I'll prepare. Let's film it too. Okay, I'm. You know, i to like, do that. Yeah, okay, you know, I told it's... you earlier, dude. I'm giving it all to you because I just I don't know, man. You gave me a chance, and I want to. Joe and Ricky and all them. Joe gave me a chance. My heart wrote an epic article. Yeah, that, you know. that article's
1: awesome. But and I'll make I make sure that gets.
2: Linked. It's it's post it's post that now, and yeah. there was a question mark at the end of that. You know, it was an unfinished film, and still an unfinished film. But I want to be able to kind of the idea of the film now is like I have to show that I can. Use my life, my teachings, my things I've learned, things I can show as example, even learning in front of people, um, that I can use kind of a, help a model for scenes, yeah. you know, help a model for life. You know, we, music saved lives and music sa- created scenes, mm-hmm. and those are the communities, no matter what kind of music. So I think that, um, you know, we can really use our scene, yeah, to really change things for sure. Um, and we're, we're we're, I use this and I emphasize this because you know, for those who are listening from other states and other parts of the world, you know, we we live in Rochester, New York, where according to the stats, the fourth poorest city in America mm-hmm. in the heat of the election and the morals. And I think again, I think we emphasize the fact that our age our, our age is the ones that I really have in the face, both sides, mm-hmm. the past and the present and the future. Yeah, More so than the younger kids. We're the ones that have to figure it out for those mm-hmm. kids while we're having to go, oh, yeah, we kind of got figured out. But nobody really <laughs> helped us figure it out. We kind of went to... We're the ones that, I hate to say fell to the cracks, we're the limbo kids. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were the limbo kids in the scenes and the generations and the, yeah. the history of culture and... Mm-hmm. But we're also lucky because we're the melting pot, the the diverse ones. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, so how did you first get into? You know, you've obviously you've played music and traveled and yeah, yeah. and done that on different stages and no stages and yeah. street corners. So how did how did you trans? When did you start getting into doing activism for the homeless? And how did were, were you introduced to that activism through punk rock?
4: I,
2: wow. This is a deep one. Um, (laughs) I've always... Okay, so... When I came out of the system, Mm -hmm. when I aged out, per se, that's what they use, the the term, Mm -hmm. aged out of the system, punk rock kind of picked me up and I was an outlandish kid all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I now call manicness and ADHD out of my brain while also dealing with... I'm a kid, 17, 18. just was like experienced, like mother dying... Forced in this weird 14, you know, in the trailer of my film says that I still hold to it. 14 different foster homes and group homes. Wow. Or no, 14, 17. 17. Wow. Uh, in four years. You know, and in, in those four years, I learned what suicide was, marijuana was, every drink in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, robo-tripping, you know, of course, you can cough and cold, you mm-hmm. know. How to have an apartment you know but when I got the system aged me out and I failed because they didn't teach me right mm-hmm. partly by you know I can't blame all on them but I I was homeless mm-hmm. I was like staying with I was getting in that metal scene and then I went into staying with one of the dudes from Blind Identity on his couch mm-hmm. and then uh, it was kind of based under the perception of look you're doing all these interviews and you know all these bands now mm-hmm. and you have some inner connections mm-hmm. and so you know some of the bands were like oh we're talk to him and um, so I stayed with you know Jay from Blind Identity, and then like uh, I had a really bad thing for calling people on the West Coast on people's phones, and back then you didn't have cell phones where you know they really yeah. hey, call California, you're really on a house phone, <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah, you know, uh, so you know eventually it kind of was like, oh man, I ran a three hundred dollar phone bill. No. <laughs> you know, talked to a friend out on the West Coast, and um, so I ended up in you know a quick Plaza for a couple of nights. Mm. and, You know, um, my family tried to help, but they were kind of looking at me like. Uh, we don't know what to do, you know, they were conservative and um, very old school, you know, and didn't, when it comes to substances or some of the things I was introduced to, they would kind of shunned away. They figured it like most people, oh, you did this, you're bad, and we're well, not bad, but we're, you know, we look at you differently, mm-hmm. you know, Um, it was the, the bad kid, you know, the bad, you know, you're a rebel, or whatever you want know, to call it, um, but, you know, so eventually, you know, punk rock took me in. Mm-hmm. You know, but okay, so I was hitching rides to go to shows. I was like, okay, my first experience, like I said, I was homeless in Port Authority. You know, that was my, like I said, my first experience in the group home. They let me run away and then I was homeless in New York City, mm-hmm. got robbed, came back. You know, nobody really goes, oh, that's not what you do. No, they just go, oh, that's crazy. Well, let's just ship him to another group home. Mm-hmm. We can't handle this kid who just ran away and we have to admit that he ran away and. Somehow ended up getting robbed and tried to meet Howard Stern. And, but he's been under our guidance for the past seven months. Then all of a sudden he did that. And So they just shipped me on. And I just, I kept ending up sleeping in parking lots and places. And then, you know, um, I just learned this gypsy way. You know, my family goes, yeah. you learn this gypsy mindset of just, if it doesn't work, move from the foster chipping you around. If it doesn't work, move. If it doesn't yeah. work, move. They didn't just say, hey man, in real life, you just kind of stick it out and figure it out. Mm-hmm. In most situations, and it makes you grow. So, you know, you grow. Um, but I, I just kept going to these this stages of, you know, my first warp Tour, you know, Phoenix TX, that's why I always talk about them. You know, I went to see them blink. I met the Phoenix TX guys in New York City at Roseland Bar Room. On the Loser Kids Tour. Okay. And, um... Uh, was, it was like AD- sponsored
1: by the, the LoserKids.com <laughs> yep, website. Yep, yep. Yeah, Silverchair, Reliquity
2: D2, and Phoenix TX. Yeah. And, um, you know, Damon and Donnie snuck me in. My cousin Don was on the guest list for Mark and Tom, but I remember, okay. um... You know, I, I remember sitting with Travis going, hey, I'm that kid that interviewed at Darian Lake a couple months ago, or <laughs> that Darian Lake of the South Park, and like, uh, you know, didn't really know much now, but then I was so into drums at that point, I was like, I saw you got, I saw you on Letterman the other night, and I noticed you play a weird fill for the bridge part of all the small things, and live, you change <laughs> it up every single time. You don't play what's on the record, you know, yeah. and just, you know, he's like, yeah, dude, yeah, and, but I remember Tom breaking a string that night, and um during, you know, um carousel, the last non song, you know, in front of a sold out ballroom. Oh, uh, but that's how I made the relationship with Phoenix T X and I got Donnie and Damon's number and just started contacting them. A couple months later they announced their first headlining tour with Newfound Glory, Good Charlotte and Lefty. You know? And um they, uh, Damon's like, dude, you wanna come out? You know? So I went out, me and my friend Tim, I was at Womoko at that point basically the same month I failed out of high school went out okay. to see them with the New Found Glory boys um, same thing I was talking about when Roman was messing with us in the journey yeah. you know uh, some of these people are like uh, the Phoenix guys I went out and it was like okay I, I basically just hung out they gave me a laminate and Damon's like dude this helps and that covers your way mm-hmm. you gotta get to the shows but you know let's help out and hang out um, some people call it a groupie but no I never really it was like that I was just like dude I just wanna be a part of the scene and help out with yeah. shows and, um then Damon goes, uh, "So we're doing a war tour this summer. You know, you want to come set my drums up?" And uh, then and they got the harsh reality of late chooser record wasn't doing well at first, and MCA cut their tour budget. They could only take rhino out, you know, and at that, uh, that point, been right then aged out of the system, my aunt gave me one chance with an apartment while I was working at Old Country Cafe. And I had already sold my furniture to my manager going, I'm going on tour on the Warp Tour with Phoenix TX, because that's what, you know. Uh, not knowing anything, you know. Uh landed in San Francisco with 20 bucks and the hope. Oh, wow. And Damon's like, dude, like, we got no gig for you, but help out, you know. And then I said, fuck it, went to the, to the tent trucks. Kenny Leith and some of those Warped Roadies. You know, Big Mitz. if you look at that Fuse TV interview back in the day, Big Mitz goes, I remember this kid, he was assisting rides, you know, <laughs> I was working for Pennywise back in the day, and he was just doing any job he could, you know, and, um, you know, every day I just basically go, okay, I'm homeless in Indianapolis, and now I have to get from Indianapolis to Milwaukee, and I have real no gig, but I'm every morning showing up before the trucks, unloading the trucks with all the other people, setting up the stages with yeah. everybody else, helping and covering, hanging up stage banners for production. You know, Kenny Parks, the head of security for the tour, was sneaking me, you know, sticky passes under the condition of if you made it to the next show, you didn't fuck anything up, and you were still being productive for the tour, whoever got you there, I'll give them (laughs) that sticky pass to get them into the show. So at the barbecues, I was going... Who's driving me? <laughs> who's driving? You leave. What's the you know Mike from MXPX or Tom from MXPX going? You know LTDs. You know who's taking me? You know, and it was that. You know, some days uh, I I didn't know, but some days I get stuck in a city that I'd never been to. Young kid, you know, homeless in Chicago. You know, like shit. I didn't know. I didn't know, and you know, nobody was telling me anything different. Mm-hmm. Fletcher from Pennywise was handing me Coronas, you know, and going, "Hey kid, this is awesome." Johnny Madcap, the barbecue band that year, is just going, dude. You're the Greyhound kid. You're like, I man. Somehow, like, you know, um he came this, in line. What, and, what year was this? What, uh, what year was 2001. It? Okay. You know, 2001, and it was, it was really, it was a good year. You know, it was the year AFI came up. Okay. You know, um, you had uh, who else was on there? H2O. It was the year of that. The I call it the Rick Defoe flagship mm. happened. You had Blink Blow Up and Hurley Blow Up. And that huge, good Charlotte, Newfound Glory, MCA Records was on a fucking hot mm-hmm. streak. And they were subsidiary. They just signed that lucky deal because of Newfound with Drive through Records. You know, and the Drive through yeah. phenomenon happened. I mean, the, 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 that, that, whole, that whole phenomenon. You know, if you look at the history of Drive through Records, Newfound Glory. You they know, were definitely their Phoenix biggest fan for sure. Phoenix yeah. CX was the first signing. Phoenix TX, or River Phoenix, signed the drive through Damon from Phoenix, uh, River Phoenix, had a thing with Ann Hoppus. She passed it off to Mark. Mark goes, Blink's blowing up. I know when I get in the business, let's help out my girlfriend's, or my, my sister's, you know, boyfriend's mm-hmm. Um Blink started blowing up. After the Bad Religion tour, he was just like, dude, I gotta step back. Passed Phoenix TX off to Rick, their manager. You know, and Rick had that, like, same formula with Phoenix TX. You know, but that year, everybody was just like, Phoenix TX was the, the reason Stephanie and, and uh, Richard Reigns from Drive Through were able to go to MCA. If you notice that hop-off, mm-hmm. do you remember how New Found Glory was the Drive Thru band? And yeah. then it popped on the MCA records, and they were out with Blink. Mm-hmm. Rick DeVoe took that formula, Blink blew up, now I'm going to take the same formula. Pop them in TV shows and pop, you know, American Pie. Yeah. You they're know. everywhere. Yep, yep. And it's the same formula, but Phoenix didn't catch in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There's new film, but that year on The Warped, it was like, I just came out of watching the, the twins from Good Charlotte grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember the Bowie Ballroom, and it was like, they didn't realize what was happening. I don't think anybody did. Mm. You know, but just seeing that I, I, I survived the entire warp tour that summer homeless basically just hustling my way but I still worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked my butt off and it really did it paid off. You know, uh, I've come a long way since that first outing. Mm-hmm. You know, but when it came to you know a lot of the Kaiser Soze things I'm kind of it was kind of in a, in a way in the other side of it the, the darker side. Uh, it's my rebuttal to a lot of old mistakes. You know, making up for some lost time, kind of just stepping back and, you know, uh, I don't know. When it comes to the homicide, I represent all of it. You know, how many times have you seen me reference from Facebook or even live or whatever, God, not this, I'm James or I'm Kaiser or I'm that. You know, some people, I, you know, I, I talk to some people, you know, in the clinical world and go, oh, am I going through a mental personality <laughs> Thing, but you know it's hard because it's, it's, it's and it's something in the, the end of time that I think we as musicians struggle with mm-hmm. and artists or promoters or people who put together places like this what, what is our standard of life and, but you also go we come from these worlds that are all over especially in the punk rock world mm-hmm. and, you know punk um, rockers were mostly homeless and in the original you know they were the weirdest outlandish yeah. outcast you know they were the 88 i say they were the ADHD kids that couldn't rip on guitar you know like the led zeppelin and fish kids and all that stuff they couldn't do that they didn't have the attention <laughs> or the, the the finances you know for, yeah. the, for the fancy gear and the studios and all that stuff um so we they, they retreated to the streets and squats and stuff like that and uh, for me it was like i i've I known music and homelessness you know, and for the advocacy side, it's like I'm coming full circle now.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how did you? What was? What was? How did you end up? I know you just came back from being in California.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, how did you get connected with this conference? And can you tell me a little bit about about what that was all about?
2: Oh, the housing first deal. Yeah, yeah. it's um, well, it's kind of the the, 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 the the full circle of you know we with the housing first model. Uh, it's this thing that started um, in 2000. I want to say three. Baseball on the West, it started out on the West Coast. It was this concept that uh, no matter who you are, where you come from, it's, it's your God given, an American, or any right to have a roof over your head. No matter if you're a drunk, drug addicted, mentally ill, prostituting priest, you, know, you still have a right to a roof in that safe setting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that the, the, the Housing First model kind of came about of like, we came out of the '70s and '80s, you know, when we weren't even ke- we were just ke- becoming into this world. Our our parents went through the this thing of like when um, you know, we hear Reagan throwing all these people out of mental institutions and all this stuff. A lot of people got washed into the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for the, the the housing first model, it was like okay, somewhere back in the day, our our parents were like these hippies that were like. Yeah, man, fighting for the fellow man, fighting for the fellow man. And then some of them got swept back into this whatever mentality of, no, corporations and this picket fence mentality. Mm -hmm. Little dog, your wife, your kids, high school, college, doctorate, whatever you do, Mm -hmm. Um, that's what you do. And they, they washed away this method when we were kids of, oh, no. Well, our parents were the ones going. We could be rock stars. We could be celebrities. We could do this. We could change the world. We can do this. Mm -hmm. They were painting on walls and making shirts, and you know, we didn't just get that in punk rock. They came from our parents. You know, they just kind of like gave us that window at points, and then some of us took it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but you know, for the the housing first model, it's it's a concept of like, you cannot work on those issues. Mental health, substance, or those things that cause the person to be homeless, until they're housed. Mm -hmm. Because if you're sleeping in a tent and you're dealing with harsh elements, not knowing what's going to happen because of your paranoia factor, because you're sleeping in a tent, and some stuff happens, you know, the community's perception. You can't focus on like, dude, it's a known fact. You know, we look at homeless folks. You know, you see that guy. What's the perception? What is your perception of a homeless person?
1: I think that I don't know I, I, mine is I think thankfully changed from what it was but as as someone who is from not an urban area what right. the misconception is that every single home like they, people just assume that, guy 40 ounce smelly yeah every, everyone know,
2: assumes inside, everyone you know.
1: assumes that at least from the area where I'm from and everyone is a huge generalization yeah but Generally, I think that people assume that people are homeless because they are, because of choices they made. Yeah. Which 99% of the time that's not the case. It's systematic poverty. Yep. Yep. And, but the people that are outside of the cities, that's, that's, unfortunately, that's the perception they have. And yep. they, that still believe the whole American dream idea yeah, that yeah, the stigma that of, everyone yeah. everyone can can achieve greatness. Yeah, and that just isn't really the case.
2: And that's what that's what I love about punk rock is because in our punk rock writings we expose a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I think we do it more in a brutal way. You know. Um, But like, you know, for the, the, you know, the the housing first model is we're just trying to get houses for people and then you can sit down and talk about how we're going to get you off whatever you, whatever your issue was. Yeah. You know, and I'm a very, my my thing is a very, and it's my kind of motto. Just give a guy, you know, I sat in a meeting the other day with with, um, Nick Holter, you know, Homeless Nick, and his, you know, Personal Centered Housing Services and its non-profit that's spearheading the housing first model here in Rochester. Doing well. He's got about 42, I think, people housed right now and awesome. building, trying to get the people out of the camps out of, across from St. Joe's and some other folks. Um, but he's only one man with a partner and a couple of interns, and it takes the real community to kind of step up. And that's the other idea. And that conference I went to was kind of, you have so many different issues of just giving somebody an apartment. The general public goes, okay, so they're homeless. You know, you listen to John Stewart at the Today Show, you know, the the Daily Show a couple months ago, or a year ago, or whatever world was. His exact words were, "You just give him a house, so you're, you're going to solve homelessness." But he's giving him a house. <laughs> now, if you look at the stats, the average good apartment—I don't know—you pay rent for your apartment, but you could get a good apartment in most areas, even in California or in New York City. You could get a decent roof over your head for within thousand dollars, for sure. You know. Uh, now, you take $1,000 times 12 months. $12,000 to house a man. And
1: that's on the high end of things.
2: Yeah. Now, if they're on the streets and they have no place to go, uh, average shelter bed, you know, anywhere from $60 a night to 650 for all the different services. Uh, incarceration. You know, from hospital visits, incarceration, cops picking guys up on the streets, <laughs> open containers, mental health... All these ambulance visits, hospital visits, stupid court fees—twenty-five thousand dollars, anywhere from twenty-two to twenty-five thousand dollars a year to take care of that person. Now, what would you rather do? Exactly, twelve—you yeah. know, twelve thousand dollars a year to just get in my house, and then you have good people in the community that build relationships and all that stuff, so they're not as crazy. They're housed, and then you got good friends. and Support structures that they feel comfortable with now. They feel like they're they feel comfortable, you know. Oh, and I, I think part
1: of part of that too is if you're sleeping on the street, which I I've never been in that place. I I've I I come from, you know. Not that my family's rich, but I I definitely I'm I'm a I'm a white straight, you know whatever. I, I definitely there's. I'm a white straight male. I I definitely have a lot of privilege.
2: Well, I would encourage... um, uh, I'll let you know. uh, You say that. Sorry to cut you off here, but I want to get this into your head. On the 24th and 25th... um, Let me see if I still have it pulled up here. Uh, Brockport University Mm -hmm. uh, are housing... are doing this event, Tent City. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically setting up tents. Uh, I've talked to a Baja and a couple of folks from the Teenagers. It's the first band from here I've talked to. Uh, but it's kind of this tent city event that they're throwing. Okay. Um I guess this is the second one maybe. Um I'm gonna be speaking at it and basically they're just trying to raise awareness.
1: Okay. Send me send me the link too and and I'll definitely check out. Come set up a
2: tent. Okay. You know, and it's basically you're sitting at a mall with a bunch of college kids reenacting what it's like to sleep in a tent overnight in a public area. Um, but it's it's a good cause you know um and we're just I'm just trying to in my part just kind of bring the scene to the cause and the cause to the scene yeah, that's you know awesome. um and just kind of say that you know musicians can do our part too for you sure know, and kind of using you know I've, I've always been on the, the streets for a good portion of my life and I'm a willing testament that I've been housed in my second apartment you know here in Rochester you know and um through that, I'm working with other folks that are getting off the streets through the same model and at the same time kind of proving that you can take, um, kind of got a back burner social experiment I'm working on with some folks, <laughs> you know, um, to see if we could take a street musician to a stage, a big stage. Oh, cool. On every aspect from musicianship to morals to molding etiquette and tact. And, Teaching them whatever they need, even tackling the, the mental health, and the substances, and all that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so I got it. We got to. What time is it right now?
1: It's six uh, thirteen. So yeah. we'll, we'll wrap it up. But uh, yeah. what I was, what I was saying was, uh, yeah. you know, as a product of privilege, yeah. I've, I've never had to experience what it's like to not have a uh, a place to lay my head. You know, inside a house. Yeah. But I, I can't imagine. I know when I go. Mental health is so affected by sleep patterns. It is. It is, and, and it's no wonder that you know, people come off as a little cra- a little crazy. You know, even if just that alone. Not not to mention, I know I do know that a lot of the homeless population have mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of the not homeless population have and mental it's, health it's, issues, and that's but a real
2: hard thing too. I How do think, you differentiate this? The mental health from the sleep deprivation, sleep like hunger, and even other hunger side. and substances, sleep deprivation, substances, interactions. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of homeless. There's a lot of homeless vets. Yeah. You know, a lot of people. I heard this the other day, and I never really thought of this. If you ever run into a homeless vet, be very cordial and polite. Be very not on edge. Um, a friend of mine goes, "Man, I, I bumped into this guy, and he flipped out on me." And he realized he was. A, homeless vet, and tr- that bumping in, even a quick little, not even a bumping, like a brushing, yeah. triggered his PTSD out of nowhere. And it was out of that dude's hands, and it was, that, you know, it, but i, I, I it's, it's weird. You know, even in our city, I'm really forcing these facts of, like, I want to go, and I encourage folks like yourself, and centers like this, and, and organizations mm-hmm. and communities like this, to step up and go we're going to go to these you know we're going to challenge the the police chief and go you know what let's let's figure out why we've got 60 shootings mm. you know why our rpd officers are getting shot at and why they're shooting back yeah. you know why why is this happening you know why is the transit center such a mess and why are the kids in this city you know divided
1: have there been more uh, i'm i'm disconnected i haven't i haven't been Using the bus system as much lately as I did a couple months ago, mm. but uh, have have there been more incidents at the transit center lately? Because I knew that there were some when it first opened, and I've generally had a had good experiences there, oh, yeah. and I feel like it's it's been a posi- generally a positive thing. It makes things easier to get around. But what what's been happening there lately? Because I know you said you were just at a meeting for it's,
2: it. You know what it is, you. Uh... You open up a, 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 a hub mm-hmm. for every world, mm-hmm. you know, and you help in. It's like a shopping center, a mall, or a movie theater. Only the transit center is even a more universal hub, mm-hmm. you know, because it's somewhere everybody has to go through if they need to get somewhere. Um, and you're bringing all sides of a very volatile, historical city. Yeah, and especially you
1: know? you're generally at the transit center. Probably going to it's mostly it's mostly people who don't own cars. Yep, yep. So it is lower income people. And you're also rushing, you
2: know. Yeah. Some people imagine this and then this is when we talk about the mental health side. Now, this is one of the things I addressed, uh, and, and why I was asked to go to that meeting yesterday is uh, you're mentally ill and you don't like to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. Crowds bug you out <laughs> and
4: trigger that that's
2: yeah. whatever. Perfect example, um we all know Bradley. Mm-hmm. You've seen he's you've had probably had a conversation I've with had him when he's good. Many
1: um, many conversations and there is a wide range yeah. of of
2: insanity. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know, he's a good dude when you really talk to him. But yeah. then you also watch him stand out the bug jar and some people in the community don't get it, and then they pick at those things and then he goes oh, and everybody goes, Oh you know. I've had um, to I've
1: had to ask him to leave, I've yeah. had to uh, you know,
2: And he's always, you know, but then he's at the times when he's cordial and, oh, I'm sorry, sir, and, you know, yeah. oh, I appreciate this, and thank you, sir, and, you know. Uh, or, you know, when he's on his good movie quotes, you know, when he's yeah. on his good movie quotes and he's not like, you know, don't ever talk to him about, you know, some of those directors you love in a bad way because he will, you know. <laughs> um, George C. Scott, he loves George C. Scott. <laughs> but, um, you know, when it comes to that is like with the Transit Center happened was like one, okay, this is my honest opinion because I've been in a situation situation uh, there, their officers are not trained the prop their security um, security force is not trained the proper way. Um, to have a couple thousand people in a box in in a rush, not just one couple hours where people can calm down at a con- like at a concert or rise up and yeah. come down, you're going you're only there for a split ten, twenty minutes to an hour yeah. and it's like boom you know, and you're all just forced to just crisscross, crisscross, crisscross. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it rises tensions. Mm. What happened was their they're, 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 they're officers, in my opinion, and I've had altercations with those officers, and told people straight up from the day one, you need officers trained in crowd security. Mm. The ones that I, I've referenced to big festivals, music festivals. Yeah. The ones that are in the front lines of a stage that know how to take a, a 13-year-old kid who's so amped up that they're just flailing, know how to go, oh, I got punched in the face by that kid because they were just hyper thrilling. I have the control to just set them safely down and get them to where they need to go. Yeah. And not wig out or make the situation worse and, and poke mentally or physically at that person. Um, those officers or those, those security guards are very abrasive. You know, um, I had a, a mental incident and... Um, I was, you know, I was sober and off my meds and still experimenting and I was behind schedule and one of the officers picked at me, they had this, they have this hoodie policy, you know. No hoodies, you know. (laughs) Um, Once I understand, because of all this stuff that happened, you know, they want to be able to, in their safety protocol, they want to be able to identify everybody in that building. Yeah. For me though, they already, you know, knew who I was. You know, James Jackson, Kaiser Jose, guitar kid, you know, wacky, whatever. I was just trying to get to the station, and they straight up were like, take your hood off. And I was like, please don't bug me today. No, I told you to take your hood off. And I turned around and I said, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. I'm a 33-year-old man. You do not address me like I'm a 12-year-old kid going to school and late. Mm -hmm. You know? And she did get the hell out of here. You know? And uh, i mean, RPD talk to me outside and they're like yeah the issue is this we understand we know who you are we've had the same issues but yeah. we learned who you are and we know how to talk to you and how to calm situations down yeah which and that's 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 the whole key
1: is that you know for there's there's a divide uh, unfortunately with law enforcement where they're they're not trained the right way uh, and they're, you know? they they're they react yeah and they yep. don't really know the communities that they're supposed to be serving, yep. and so they react out of fear, mm-hmm. and that's why all of these—that's why all of these things happen. Oh, yeah. And also, like I think generally, and this is a generalization, and yeah. there will be people that listen to this that yeah. are pissed <laughs> like, at oh, me yeah, because yeah, no. <laughs> I say this. But I think generally, the type of people that are drawn to get into law enforcement mm-hmm. are the people that were bullies in high school because yep. they see it as a yep. way they continue yep. what they were doing, and that's why most cops are. Pretty terrible, yeah. And that's—I you know, I know that's a general statement. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've had good interactions with police. Oh yeah, same here. But I've same had, here.
2: you know, But in general, it's a hard. And you look at the other side too, because we're living in a at a time right now in our country. That we're debating good and evil, and with, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the police aspect and the general public aspect, um, where everything's so. I mean, it's a—it's really Pulp Fiction in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, when it comes to all these stories we're hearing on social media, then trying to sift through if social media videos that people are twittering or whatever are mm-hmm. real and YouTube, and uh, everybody's got a camera phone to whip out on a situation. Yeah. But then on the other side, you know, uh, you have—if you're—it's a really dangerous time to be a police officer. Yeah. You know, on both, maybe crooked or good. You know, you have officers that are. You know, but I also applaud the officers that are going, we're going to make sure that social media, we're going to show in social media we do, you know, like that uh, black lives matter. You know, I believe in it. I was in part of one of the the U.S. Social Forum marches in Philly, you know, but I also believe that lives matter, and we need to stop segregating, you know, these. If we keep with this stigma, you know, in our city, we see it all around. If we keep with this stigma of this life, you know, these lives matter, not, you know, and we keep putting... These things that the media put in our heads, or old frames put in our heads, <laughs> lives matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you say, and I tell people of color, I'm half black. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm African. I always make that joke. My dad was black, my mom was whiter than Casper, you know. But, so I went through it, you know, as a kid. Like, yeah. you know, you're sitting as a little kid and you got black, you know, over here in Rochester, I was sitting there with a lot of African American kids mm-hmm. outnumbered, going, and they're looking at me going, what, who, which side? <laughs> you know? And there I am going, ah, you know. Uh, but I believe we just need to break that stigma down. You know? Um, and I'll be one of those people that will always try and emphasize that. You know? Um beauty of stuff like what we're doing here is we're opening conversation that I guarantee you will echo and people will go, wow, that was... No, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm honored. Because I think this will be one of those conversations at the end where... No matter who listens to it, they'll go. I heard it all. <laughs> yeah, know? man, and
1: we're we're not gonna be do- well. We're we're gonna like we'll call it a day today. Yep, yep. But the, the conversation will continue. Yep, yep. And I'll have you on for a part two, and yeah. maybe even a part three. I'll have, I'll,
2: how about I have you over to my place one night? Yeah, too? we'll do it. You know, um, um. Show the housing first thing too. Yeah, and like, you know?
1: like, and that's my whole thing with this podcast is mm-hmm. I, I want to talk to people that are doing interesting and creative things. Mostly here in Rochester and yeah, in yeah. Pennsylvania, where I'm from, yeah, yeah. but not limited to that. Right, but, right. you know, mostly that's where the focus is, is because right, right. I'm here. Yeah.
2: So, and you... I, I don't love P.A. Scranton. Scranton. He's weird. I don't know, yeah, why, I, I don't I know I why love Scranton. It's uh, just like, uh, but Philadelphia, you just can't go wrong. Um, you can't go wrong with Philly, you know, and Camden... Even though it's the side, it's almost Philly, and then, yeah. you know, um, Temple University, I don't know why, it's weird for me. One of my closest <laughs> friends
1: gra- graduated from Temple, he's
2: going to be on the show at some point cool. too, he's yeah. a killer love, musician. Uh, you know, and how do you feel at Philly, man? I mean, when we talked about all these crazy things, Philadelphia's under a lot of heat, it's been under a lot of underground heat, I was there for the U.S. Social Forum, mm-hmm. you know, as you had you know, a thousand people march on the mayor's office, wow. and, and the social, social services service building and stuff, and like, it's a weird. Like there, there's a lot of like real harsh
1: yeah, things and I being
2: thrown at them.
1: I don't even. I, I'm. I, I'm admittedly not connected to that stuff. Yeah. I know. I know that there's a lot of really cool. Oh, amazing things DIY there. underground oh, music happening there in there Philly, is. and mm-hmm. and uh, I know about that, but I don't know a lot about like the
2: Kensington District. You know, the I, I remember the the usual U.S. social forum that I went to, it was like, driving through there, with my friend Nick, the first day, for the U.S. Social Forum, it was like, it was like, some kind of Terminator, like, just today, like all these buildings, just had, we see echoes of it, in parts of Rochester, Mm -hmm. but like, it was like, entire blocks of like,
1: actually, I stayed, I stayed in Kensington, a night. this this was, it was like, Two summers ago, I went. I went to this, this hardcore festival, yeah. which was awesome. So you could see
2: there's weird and underground I, stuff, but like the, the yeah. The but then I
1: I, I stayed with the, you know, my friends, and I stayed with some friends that live in Kensington, and uh, they and it it was interesting. And I, I mean I knew a little bit about that part of the city from. Have you ever heard of Shane Claiborne?
2: I've heard. I've heard. Of, yeah, he's yeah.
1: he's an author. He's like he's a Christian author and activist. Yep, yep. Does a re- does a lot of really cool stuff in, in Philly. So I've read his books and heard his stories about that that part of town. But yeah,
2: it's it's weird. Yeah. You know, and then especially when we we, we think of Rochester now, you know, it's like And it's
1: Rochester's so there's we're so segmented and I mean uh the there's a whole other world on the west side of the city oh, yeah. that I don't experience.
2: We've been in like the Charlotte world. There's yeah. And like oh my god I lived you know from my, my last apartment was over on Lake and Ridge down the street mm-hmm. from the brew house and it's like even in the Greece world it's it's weird yeah you know and then we're on this side and you, know, you travel a little bit down you know the Ave a little bit more and you got Brighton and uh, and Finger Lakes <laughs> yeah. that's a whole other world that I'm like and, and John Travolta said a place there what you know <laughs> Uh it's weird. Yeah. You know, it's weird
1: with Rogers. That Street. is honestly what I love though about this end of the wedge. Oh, Cuz yeah. I feel like this is we're still pretty diverse here in this like Swilburg, this end of South Wedge. Like oh, yeah. it's still yeah. pretty diverse. Like there's cool stuff here. Like it's not like you know, we've got, you know, the night, you know, we've got the we've got the Playhouse in Swilburger right yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. I can go in there and and hang out, and it's a cool place. But also, like, it's not super, you know, down the street, there's, you know, it's not as, it's not super gentrified. Yeah. And, like, Monroe Avenue, like, there's cool stuff there, and, like, but it's just, it's diverse. Yeah. It is not, it's not.
2: And they got Park, and then East, and then it just turned into a, well, I'm interested to see how East turns out. I mean, East Ave this year is going to have this weird yeah, you know, I live I live
1: on University. No, I actually, so I live see, on the corner of, of of University and Union. Okay, above the old Ethiopian the, oh, restaurant. Oh
2: man! Oh jeez!
1: And so you're, I'm right you're at that.
2: Watching room. all the the transformation, you know. Well, and right
1: I, now it's just I mean, I, right now it's construction. Yeah, well, it's well, not really. We're,
2: see a weird, we're seeing this. You know, one of the things we're, kind of, we're probably announcing now is that that May Fourth City Best Busker. Okay. Oh yeah. They yeah. announced today they're moving from East Ave because of the construction to the wedge. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's they're realigning, and then we'll see how it works next year. But it's it's a weird, you know. But I've still, you know, show Monroe June fourth. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I mean Monroe Avenue is, uh, that's where I moved. That's the first place. I, I mean, you have probably heard about the meat grinder. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I moved fro- to Rochester, and I lived on Monroe Avenue, mm-hmm. and then I've lived like nearby for most of my time here in Rochester. So. The, the Av is a, uh, it, it has up. a, it it's has a, a special, up. special place in my heart.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I, mean, for me too, I mean, I grew, uh, you know, I originally like, I was born and raised on Mount Hope Gateway, okay. but then, you know, eventually in my older years, you know, um, made my way to the Ave and, you know, moments on an Ordinary Average Day pays homage to, yeah. you know, the underground of the Av Rats and, you know, yeah. Tommy Shorts and Sonny on Amherst <laughs> where I started writing and, you know, um you know Mono Ave was the place I landed after all the crazy leaving the warp Tour world and leaving California and mm. coming back here you know it was like a bad rocket just landing back in the hometown <laughs> boom 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 social services all those other things and eventually getting a room in a rooming house for a minute and you know crazy Tommy and Sonny on Amherst and you know uh, they let me you know um, insanity you know I remember uh, working at Murphy's Law playing the Whip Tour that year at Kevin Says Stage from Mushrooms through the set <laughs> you know people the, the, the rumor always how's your play during like you know 2000 I think it was like 2011 or some shit like that and like my girl that's you know getting out like she you know we, we did Camp Bisco actually Browdy's song talks about that yeah. experience you know um, like going to Camp Bisco for three days and being engorged in that weird festival mm. world of camping and everything you don't usually get into any other worlds, you know, yeah. but, um, just having fun with it and dancing for the first time, just let go of the rad chick and just the world of like, it's not punk rock, but it's like kind of like punk rock, but it's jam band and like insane <laughs> stages and lights and, yeah. um, camping and community and family somewhat like it, you know, But I went to the war tour that, you know, two days later and played, you know, and, um, I mean, if you if anybody saw the, the stage line up that year, it said James Jackson it didn't say Kaiser, so I was there. and said Kaiser Kaisersel. And, you know, uh, the beer gnomes from Dallas were in town mm. and, um, I, you know, they you know, uh, even, the, you know, Glenn from the beer gnomes and, you know, those other dudes watched me and were like, I remember standing by the stage and took mushrooms and I go, this is my time to just redeem some things. And I just didn't feel it. Mm. You know, I went out on the stage, played three songs and just, did one of those um, Airhead moves? Yeah, from Airheads. So yeah. Throw the guitar up, and I'm done. Thank you. And everybody that day, Kevin texted me. You know, that night, what the hell did you do, James Jackson? <laughs> we your set, I some mushrooms, and I was a little overwhelmed. And uh, you know, 2017, I got, uh, I got some things, but um, you know, this year I'm just kind of, you'll, you'll see. <laughs>